It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday august 3rd and you're listening to episode 427 as usual i'm your host jason this week joined by special guest honored to be joined by special guest isaac shalev hey how's it going hey jason how's it going with you good good so i I hesitated to have you on the show because you've now moved to North Carolina, and uh, I'm a little uncomfortable with North Carolinans, um, mostly because of people like the game designers of North Carolina, uh, you know, Josh Mills, mostly. Julio's okay. It's mostly Josh Mills. It's, it's mostly really mostly Josh, Mills. Josh. The rest of them are actually fine. It's just Josh Mills. But uh, he's like this aura that, that kind of oozes out onto everyone, you know? He's kind of like that slime in Ghostbusters 2. Right, that like you know gets on everybody. <laughs> I sort of see it more as he's like a he's like um, Tagmire's con crud game, <laughs> right? Like, yes. did you leave the con with Jason with Josh Mills? Was that? Right. Oh, uh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, so, remember when we did that? When we had people near us, a yeah. lot of them. Well, then we and, joked and, about con crud, but then then it turned out that there was COVID, so that's not cool. Well, I'll tell you, speaking both of Concrud and COVID and Julio Nazario, watch this. This is amazing. This is a confluence of things. I was in a store. I'm allowed to be in stores. I just moved. I need a lot of stuff. I was in a store. No, that's fair. That's fair. And uh, it happened to be a Target. And so I walked by the game wall where I saw Julio's new game, Control, CTRL if you're looking for it uh, which is super cool it's like a unit block game and you make cool shapes and stuff and it's like sort of a mind melting yeah 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 it's super cool Um, so I saw Julio's game uh, in 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 the old Target here in North Carolina here in uh, in Cary North Carolina just outside of Raleigh Research Triangle for those folks keeping track and um, and so that was uh, that was kind of uh, that was kind of fun and exciting, and I realized that you know now I can join the game designers of North Carolina, and that uh, you know Julio's success is part of our success uh, in general, uh, right. which is kind of fun. But sitting not too far from Control was another game. Uh, you might be familiar with it. It's a little game called Pandemic. I've heard of that game. Yes. So there is, I guess, a Target... I don't know if it's a Target exclusive, but it sure feels like a, a mass market, maybe simplified version right, of yeah. Pandemic. The North America version or whatever? That's right. Yeah. Pandemic North America. So I mean, And it costs $20.20. $20. I don't know. That's just a weird coincidence. <laughs> but uh, Pandemic Conspiracy. North America... And, you know, I heard Matt talking, Matt Leacock talking about... I don't know him like that. He's not Matt to me. He's still Matt Leacock. Um, Fair enough. But, <laughs> I, I I heard him talking about you know whether he feels okay about continuing to develop pandemic given you know the pandemic right and, right you know and and I think uh, rightfully he was like as long as people are interested in playing it then why not you know I understand there's a bit of a mm, factor but you know history bites us all in the tush sometimes what are you gonna do um, right right. They can this, though, like a, they can add like a USA pack where it's like, no one will wear a mask. <laughs> right. Well, it's just so square on because, you know, 
we are the hot spot, right? Like North exactly. America, U.S. Yeah. and not even North America. Like leave Canada and Mexico out of it. It's the U.S. It's and our fault. The, I think the bad marketing on that is that for anyone who doesn't understand board games, they don't realize that that game was two plus years in the making, right? Like they're like, right, oh, right. these people are oh, being opportunistic, but we know cash that that's grab, literally cash not grab. possible, right? It's not possible. Right. <laughs> no, 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 of course not. And the thing is that it's a super smart move in the sense that $20 price point is the right price point for a mass market game. And Pandemic was... Um, a little bit hairy when it came to to setup, especially like for a hobby game, it's fine. Right. Yeah, but for a but mass, for market mass market game, you had yeah. to set up the deck and you had to put out the cubes and the infection phase. Like they, there was a little bit more there than maybe you would want. So I think it's super clever that they uh, developed this version, but it's so awkward right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and it's not. I mean, how do you retheme that? Right, like. It's got the word pandemic in it. Hotspot anywhere doesn't sound good. Hotspot US just happens to sound accurate. Um, no, and it'll take months to for graphic design and illustration, whatever, oh, if you wanted well, to retheme it. Yeah, yeah. I mean Yeah, no, that's 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 crazy talk. No, of course they're they're just gonna roll with it, but you know, at the same time, I, I almost wanted to pick up a copy as like an artifact of you know, <laughs> right, this right. this time in history. Um, you can and just especially, tell your kids that it was like a history lesson. Like, no, really, this was like this was made about the real pandemic. Exactly. Well, my 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 almost thirteen year old spotted it and was just having such a, a laugh. He was like, "This right, is right. the best." <laughs> yeah, I, He's I like, "I don't to, even want to play pandemic. I just want it." <laughs> right. I need to make a trip to Target uh, sometime soon here to my local Target to pick up two games. I need uh, Control, uh, and then also Back to the Future, Dice Through Time um, by Chris Leader and uh, Ken Franklin, uh, two of my friends. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is... Yeah, did you hear that Chris was getting mail from, like, Roger Zemeckis on this? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you see uh, uh, the new promo that they released, too? Um, I I didn't know. it, it uh, It was the time train. So, yeah, that looked very cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I am stoked to play that game. I just i I haven't went to Target yet. I actually probably should just order it because I could order two games, which means it'd be free shipping. So I should probably just do that. But yeah, well, certainly ordering is better than going to places. But um, I I also picked up um, something else that uh, that I enjoyed in Target, which was. Uh, on the clearance rack, they had the Kool-Aid Man from Funko for the Funkoverse game. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, four bucks. I was like, for four bucks, I want three of them. You know what I mean? I'm just <laughs> right, right, right. Hmm. Uh, you know, they can get scratched up when you ram them through the brick wall. You know, it's you want to have yeah, a backup. I mean, you're like, I'm going to go ahead and need every character in this game to be the Kool-Aid Man. Like yeah. everyone's just playing as the Kool-Aid man. Right. Just everyone Kool-Aid man. And then we could like paint them. We could have a blue one and a green one, right, a red right, one. Right. We're back to like Optimus Prime syndrome, but it's yes, even better because exactly. Kool-Aid does come in all those colors. Right. Right. Whereas Optimus Prime, you know, no. Yeah. I actually had the opportunity um, to meet somebody. Uh, I was thinking on Chris Leader and the Rogers Zemeckis thing. Uh, so, I, I would have been working with Raf Coster for the last, uh, I don't know, year or two now. And, uh, you know, Raf and I met at Tabletop Network, which was uh, this great mm-hmm. convention for board game designers, really just a professional development for board game designers convention that Tim yeah, Fowers actually, and Jeff Engelstein. 
I yep. looked back last time you were on very, very long ago. That was actually the topic we talked about. So, yeah. Oh, cool. So, so for those folks who only listen to my episodes, this will sound totally continuous. Right. <laughs> uh, thanks, Mom. Uh, <laughs> so I, I met with Raf Coster there. Raf is a, a well-known video game designer. He's done things like, um, uh, you know, Star Wars Galaxies. He's like done like major, major, major titles and IPs. And um, he and I uh, worked on some of his prototypes, and we actually recently got uh, picked up by WizKids. So uh, cool, they congrats. just announced uh, a game called Waddle Downtown. It's a game about penguins. And, um, nice. Yeah, so, so uh, they literally just announced it uh, yesterday. And, um, but separately from all that, in a different part of my life, I have been working with... Uh, an organization called CHEST. It's the American Academy of Chest Physicians. Uh, yeah, yeah. So like pulmonologists and whatnot. And so, I, you know, I'm a nonprofit consultant and I'm helping them with some game-based learning stuff. Mm-hmm. And cool. uh, yeah, it's a really great intersection of like my professional life and my game design life. Um, but I reached out to Raf to ask him if he knew anyone that would make sense to bring into this, right? We wanted to get like a, a team together. And uh, he introduced me to a gentleman named Noah Falstein. And, I, you know, I don't know if he's like a household name. He certainly isn't in my house. Um, but uh, he is—he was involved in, in Google's game-based learning education stuff. But more importantly, I think for us, is that back in the day, he was big with um, uh, Lucas, uh, with, um, uh, LucasArts, the video game studio. Oh, wow. Very cool. So he made, like, uh, remember the Indiana Jones and the Atlantis game? I forget the, the exact title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. So he made that game, and I was sitting there and talking to him, and he had, like, the posters behind him on the, on the video screen, right? Very cool. And, right, because I'm just in his home office, and that's what he's got. He's got, you know, posters from the big games that he's made. <laughs> and I'm like, this is amazing. I don't know how I work this out, but here I am chatting with a guy who made this game that I poured hours and hours and hours into it. I mean, it was a super important game for me in my, uh, in my growing up. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. And I feel like a lot of our, our, our friends and neighbors and so on are really making it, you know, really hitting it with IPs, with mass market, yeah, with very just much a lot so. of visibility. It's, it's super cool. I mean, Daryl Andrews and, and Adrian Adamskew had a, their Titanic game just won an award. Um, and I saw that in Target as well. Uh, Daryl was one of my first friends in the industry. So it's just really great to see how very much so. we're, we're breaking through, you know, the pandemic, North America game really is, I mean, it's funny that, you know, it's also COVID, but honestly, it represents the success of hobby board games in infecting the mass market. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, no, I've, there have been so many people now that we know that have uh, gotten, the cool IPs or just, you know, just more and more of our friends that we've seen getting more stuff published. And it's just awesome to see more and more coming out there, you know? Yeah. It's very yeah. And it feels like it's some different stuff, too. I mean, this is uh, one of the things that I've been trying to think about is, you know, whenever I go out to whether it's Walmart or Target or Barnes & Noble, I always walk through the game section to see what's there, right? And see what's hopping, see yeah. what's up. Yep. And to try and get a sense for what do you need to do, what does the market want, what, is, what does the shelf want, what's not on the shelf, right? 
Cause like sometimes mm-hmm. that's, that's the tricky part is you can't, um, guarantee success by copying what's already been successful. I mean, you may be able to get somewhere, you know, and it's, they say that, uh, what is it? The early bird catches the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese, right? So it it does make sense to be second. I mean, Cards Against Humanity came after Apples to Apples. And look, Apples to Apples, you know, I'd say they they ate their worm, but, uh, you know, Cards Against Humanity clearly got the cheese. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so there are opportunities to follow, but there's also what's not here or what's not here that's similar to what's here that scratches some kind of itch that you can reveal, but that's not really here. And, and you know, one of the things that struck me, I saw the Pan Am game on the shelf. Do you see, do you know anything about this game? I've seen it. Uh, yeah. I can't, do, do we, who was the designer on that? So it's, uh, it's another one of these uh, out of... Um, I think this one was actually officially designed by Funko already. I'm not sure about that, oh, but it's it the, the same Prospero team. Hall it's team. it's the yeah. Prospero Hall team. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so yeah, I, you know what's cool about Pan Am uh, the game? A couple of things. First off, that IP is not like a gamer IP, and it's not like a well-known mass market IP. It's a nostalgia IP, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because. You know, Pan Am, who remembers Pan Am? I mean, you and I do because we're, you know, in our early 40s. What are you going to do? Right, right. Um, but it's the, it's the first thing I thought of when I saw it was like, catch me if you can. Like, that's the first thing that popped into my head with it, you know? 100%. 100%. And, and uh, oh, I love that opening title sequence. Um, I, I've always wanted to make a game out of that title sequence. Right. Oh, right. Where it goes through all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right, because so you know this is an audio medium, so it's going to be hard to explain. But the the title sequence is kind of this animated, this guy running away, and it's all um, like two D, like boss relief kind of uh, perspective, and it's um, animated in a very simple style. But like he's running up an escalator, and then the escalator runs out, and he falls down, and he pops up a, an umbrella, and so he floats a little, and then the thing walks, you know, flies by, and he jumps on that, like. It's really, really cool. I've always wanted to like gamify that in some way. But anyway. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Pan Am, is, the game is a, it's, it's sort of a stock game. It's sort of a network building game. The idea is that you're an airline and you're building your network and you earn money by building your network and that's great. But in the meantime, Pan Am, the company, continues to grow. And at the end of every round, they buy some of your routes, right? Or some of the routes that people have claimed on the board. And they pay you out for that. Like they give you a good okay. cash yeah. flow, good injection of cash. And then the other key decision beyond like where you want to go and which routes you want to connect is the way that you win the game is based on owning Pan Am stock. And the stock price changes over the course of the game, but generally speaking goes up. So early on you can buy stock for cheap, but then you don't have cash to power what you're doing, right? To build your own company. Or you can build your own company and earn, you know, more money and and then sell your routes to Pan Am, but then the stock is expensive. Right, right. That's interesting. Yeah, so it's a cool it's a cool push and pull and it's you know pretty straightforward. And I think it's it's probably like ticket to ride plus. That's that's what I was thinking as you were describing it. That's what it sounded like to me. But holy cow, we've got ticket to ride plus on the shelf in Target using a an IP that Look, I don't know how recognizable Pan Am is to uh, a twenty-year-old gamer. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would. I, I hate to assume, but it seems like it would be not very right. Right. Um. 
you know, to them, it actually might be like, oh, look, it's just like a fake plane company, right? Right, and and it's selling for like thirty five bucks, which I've always felt is a terrible price point. I don't know why thirty five just seems like the worst. No, it, I'd rather right, sell it, it for forty at that point. Right, because it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not that, cheap, but it's not expensive enough to make you think it's valuable. Right, right. That's where like I would. I think I would be more apt to buy a fifty dollar game or a twenty dollar game than a thirty five dollar game for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Well, or it's even interesting because twenty five dollar, even you know, somewhere in that middle range. Yeah, Azul was sitting next to it at forty. Eight million things in it, right? Yeah, and look, you know, Pan Am's is not not a not a badly you know provisioned game. It's lovely, but I, I don't know. Uh, to me, it Azul felt like the better buy, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I think what struck me in all of this is that this is a mass market game sitting on a mass market shelf, using an IP nobody knows about at a relatively unattractive price, and yet, I my understanding is it's succeeding. Yeah, that's that's everything I've heard has been positive about the game and the sales of the game. So, so it tells us that there's not really one mass market audience, and I think that this is what I've sort of been uh, kind of concluding and closing in on is that we in the hobby space have thought of mass market as simplified and as um, less interested in playing a game over and over again and just not interested in depth or challenge, interested more in sort of momentary entertainment. And I think that, I guess what I'm kind of coming to learn is that the mass market's really probably 25 different markets that all show up at the same store. Right. But I think that, I don't think we were wrong to begin with. I think it was a lot less than 25 markets, you know, because mass market used to be a bunch of roll and move games that people played in trivia games, right? Like back sure. in the day, like those were the, that was the, those were the things. Um, but I do think that slowly as there've been more party games that get people a little out of their like normal comfort zone, I mean, that's become its own market. And for me, when I think of mass market, and when I first started designing, that's what I thought of, right? Like when I was like, oh, mm-hmm. like hobby mass market is either like Settlers, Ticket to Ride, or a party game. Like that's what I, that's kind of how right, I defined right. it, right? But that was 10 years ago almost, so. Well, and I think I think that's what sneaks up on us, right? I mean, think about it. Everybody 35 and under essentially grew up with Catan. Right, right. That's a, that is a good point. I mean, I, I don't think I found Catan till... Gosh, my late 20s? Probably my late 20s was when I started playing Catan. Yeah, yeah, it was probably, yeah, yeah it was, would have been like, I would have been about 28 when I first played it. And, and I'd, I'd drive that point maybe even harder by saying that mobile gaming and video gaming have also had an enormous impact on game literacy. Yes, yes, yes. You know, more people are playing these games, whether they're playing them on cardboard or not, they're playing games and they're being exposed to different mechanisms and different ways of thinking and sort of different approaches to, to what a game can be. And so I think that the gap between, uh, mass and hobby is much, much smaller. And, and I guess, I don't know, probably not recently, but surely you've had the experience of introducing somebody new to the world of hobby gaming. And I guess oh, yeah. many times, 
you know, how long does it take before you can throw them into a midway Euro? Yeah, so Julio and I actually touched a little bit, not Julio, sorry, Neil and I actually touched a little bit on this in the last episode where we were talking about basically why people don't play games, right? What are the barriers that cause people to say, I don't want to play games, you know, games are for kids, games are whatever, and, you know, one of the things was that we talked about was if you're not familiar with games, that there's this ramping up period where you have to learn, um, you know, what games are about, right? Like, first, I'm going to show you this game, and then I'm going to show you maybe Catan, and then... Right, let me teach you, you about worker lot, placement. Right? Yeah. Let me teach you how to think about a game differently than you normally would, and then let me start hitting you with some stuff that's, you know, a little different. Um, but I do think that... I've, one thing I was trying to think about was I still feel like when you think of the mass market games that are popular right now, even in the hobby game market, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but many of the themes are pretty bland. And I don't mean bland in a negative way. I mean bland in a, like, they're very vanilla, right? And, and maybe I'm missing out on that, but like when I think of the games in the hobby game market, sorry, in the mass market side of the hobby game market... Most of them, I'm not thinking of ones that I'm like, oh, that theme is really interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, because Pan Am, it's about it's about airplanes, right? I mean, whether or not you know about Pan Am, everybody understands some stuff about airplanes, right? Yeah. And how that works. Um, I mean, am I, do you think I'm, am I wrong about that? Is there something I'm missing there? No, I think it's a great point. I think that um, fantasy and sci-fi are not nearly as mass market even when they're draped in IP, right? It's not like Target is full of Star Wars games or right. or Lord of the Rings games. Well, no, know? because if you're if you're nerdy enough, and I mean this in a complimentary way, if you're nerdy enough to like Star Wars, Star Trek, or Lord of the Rings, you probably play games, right? Sure. <laughs> there's, there's a decent chance. I mean, there's there's definitely some overlap. I, I I I wouldn't go too far in the sense that like Harry Potter is a mass market interest. Star Wars is a mass market interest. That's There's a lots point. of yeah. folks who will watch those movies and be into That's those fair. things. And, you know, they're not playing games. And there are, ho- uh, not hobby, there are mass market games catering there as well. And certainly the op, I think, does a lot of work in that space and, and really makes um, some really good games in there. But, uh, but I think you're absolutely right that um, Target in particular... And maybe it's maybe it's really all Forest Prusan or, or you know Prospero Hall. It's the same group, right? Forest Prusan is the name yeah, of the yep, company, the and Prospero Hall was the pseudonym of the designer that the company used, and they were bought by right. Funko. So, but that group made a ton. Them and Big G Creative uh, made a ton of these games. Like so many of the games that we're talking about, as sort of rewriting the landscape, came out of those two groups. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and the notion of playing a board game connected to a nostalgia IP was an awesome combo, right? I mean, almost thinking about it like a CCG player, like, wow, that's right, great right. synergy. Those two things yeah, do connect, yeah. right? Old-timey board game plus IP I have nostalgia for, Trapper Keeper, you know, Kenny G, you know, Bob, right. Bob Ross. Right, right. It is interesting, though, when you say that so many of those came out of that Prospero Hall team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because what's interesting about that is is I think that actually in the time when they kind of ruled the roost, right, and now that they're Funko, they're, I think we're still seeing the releases from them from previously, right? But 
now that they're Funko, I think we will see more and more of the Funko side stuff, right? The the more poppy stuff. But I think that all of those things at that time coming out from the same company is actually good, right? Because mm-hmm. they figured out something that worked. And they figured out something that worked and then could be familiar to people, right? So if mm-hmm. you played Keeping It Sexy and you've also played one of their other pop culture games, then probably, like... The rules are going to be written in a way that's, you know, you're going to have the same type of understanding. There's going to be some of that, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um, I don't know. Uh, well, there's like it, a shared vocabulary. That's, yeah, that that's a good way to say it. Yes, right? So that that kind of helps you um, start, to, start to understand that in a way to where it, it doesn't feel so intimidating when you see that new game, right? Can, can I tell Even you though, one of the things that they do in their rule book that drives me absolutely crazy, but I yeah. totally acknowledge that it's it makes sense is so when you have a piece that symbolizes you as a as a character in the game, what do you call that piece? A pawn? A pawn, right? They call it a mover. Oh, that's awful. That is they, awful. It's a horrible name, right? So if you're playing Jaws, and you're playing Brody, you have the Brody mover. Yep. Nope. Right? And that if is... you're the shark, it's the shark mover. That No, you're the shark mover because you're right. moving the shark, right? Thank you for that. Grammar is still a thing in 2020. Uh, <laughs> player marker is acceptable. Um, meeple? Like, I mean, anything, like some silly name like Sharkeeple, I'll even take that, right? Like we went through that time where like, Everything had to be like some derivative of like meeple. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I remember that. That was a good time. But, but like, yeah, mover. That's no, well, no. Well, but no. you think about it, and you say to yourself, "Hang on, hang on, hang on." Pawn is a dumb word, right? Because pawn is a word that if you play chess, you know, oh, a pawn is like a one of the pieces. So you probably mean a piece that I move around. But if you don't play chess you only encounter the word pawn in the context of like needing money and selling your stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not a, normally a thing that you encounter in the world. Fair enough, yeah. So pawn's kind of a terrible word. And meeple's even worse. Meeple's not a word to like 98% of the world. So like that's not helpful. That's fair. It's probably like 88% of the world to be fair, but... I mean, <laughs> well, of of, of North America and Germany, let's go there. Uh, <laughs> fair enough, yeah, fair enough, yeah. But but you know, th- you start asking yourself, what's a good word? I mean, token, I guess, is kind of okay, but it still feels weird. Um, so they're kind of stuck because then you start getting into like avatar or like what, piece though works the shark piece, piece the, shark. the shark piece the Brody piece. Is it the Brody piece? Anything sounds better than mover. Well, so like, I, I think that mover it. is kind of smart because, okay, so mover is, for, it's not a word, right? Really. I mean, I, I had movers. They were terrible, by the way. They were <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely terrible. Um, if you're considering moving with Big Ben's movers, you should not. It is a bad idea. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, but, you know, mover is kind of, everyone knows what to move is and everyone knows what mover, moving is. And so when you say the Brody mover, you're like, oh, I know what that is. And it's not, right. it's not a, a specialized word from another world. So there's kind of something smart about it. I, I, I hate it, by the way, to, to be clear. And yeah. I started no, saying I, that I hate it. I get what it. you're saying. It's smart, but you hate it because, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. That is but, interesting. But that's part of the thing. And I, it's the same rules and the same rulebook editor and the same style guide because I've seen that in multiple games of theirs, right? Uh, Villainous has it too, right? So the Ursula mover. Uh, it's, it's, it's terrible. But that's what they're doing. But that is, consistency, right, is good. That shared that's vocabulary. That's what I was looking for. Consistency. 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 For. Yeah, no. At what, what I'm loving about all of this is that we've seen... Uh, where you come up with a mechanism, you come up with a game, and then you just slap 28 different IPs on it, and you know, you've know you got your Monopoly, you've got your Mario right, Monopoly. Right. You, I'm sorry, Mario, not Mario. It's Mario. Thank you, Nicole. It is Mario. It's not Mario. It's not Mario. See, I, I, I sort of land in the middle between the two of you. It's not Mario. It's certainly not Mario, but I'm kind of in that Mario place, not Mario, because I'm not Italian, so I do not say a Mario. Right. But you do need to fix that if you're going to be in North Carolina. So. Well, oh my God, my accent's going to go crazy. My, I adapt to what's around me so quickly. Uh, I will be drawling before you know it. Oh, I can't wait. I, I, look, I've got y'all and folks and that's already in. I, yes, I've, I've finally started saying y'all because, um, it's gender yeah. inclusive. Well, n- yes. Oh, no, that's... But I mean, like, I've just given up on other, like, you all, like, gets annoying. Like, you all sounds so weird. But y'all, yeah. I'll just say y'all. All yeah. y'all. That's my favorite one that I don't get to use very... Will you all y'all come over here? Like, I yeah, like... Yeah, all y'all. That's 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 pretty great. Uh, I hope we get yes. there. Uh, no, but the the... The thing that's really cool here is that they're not just making 27 versions of Monopoly. Right, is that what each of these games does is kind of interesting and unique. So, you know, you've got your Horrified. Horrified is uh, that co-op game where you're running around and, you know, essentially set collecting in mm-hmm. order to yep. to play this co-op game. And, you know, you've got Jaws and that's your hidden movement game. And you've got Villainous, which is your pre-constructed deck sort of solo play game, right? Because you're not really doing too much interference with the other character. Um, but uh, there's... Um, uh, the Bob Ross game is uh, is like a hand management game. Um, so they're kind of going through a lot of the kind of greatest hits mechanisms and developing games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here's this network building stock. It's essentially a very light kind of 18xx game is Pan Am. Um, and it's fascinating to see them kind of churn through each of these and turn out really polished easy to learn games that deliver the right. experience they deliver and they delivered in two ways and i think that if i were trying to reverse engineer what works and what makes this um successful in mass market it's that they deliver on two things one is they deliver on the fun of a game idea that we all know works right we all know that network building plus stocks is a pattern that works you can make right, right. a million games out of that. And so they take that pattern and they say, okay, great. Let's make this accessible and let's make this focused and just find how to have fun with that without any of the complexity. Make it as easy to teach and learn as possible. Right, and, the, right. and the second thing they do is they nail the IP experience. Because, you know, and you and I have talked about this when we've done pitching for, for IP games. You know, you... You look at the IP and you say, what do fans of that IP want 
in a game. What do they want to feel? What do they want to experience? Who do they want to see? Which characters, which moments? How do we deliver to them the the feeling of reconnecting to that world? And they're doing those two things. And that's, I think, the secret. That's the, the recipe for mass market success. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Suddenly, when you were saying like they're so they're like oh we'll use this this mechanic or you know they're basically going through the list of like the greatest hits of mechanics. I I suddenly pictured the movie Gone in sixty seconds where they have the big marker board with all the car names up there and they're just slowly crossing them off. Like I feel like that's what their office looks like, but it's just code names for game mechanics. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and you can you know almost look and say what don't they have, and. Imagine to yourself, you know, what what might be coming next. And look, I don't know how often you can go to that well, um, but I'm very impressed with the flexibility and the range that that team has as designers, right? They're not agree, making the same game over and over again. Yeah, that is obviously that's key, right? Because, you know, you want consistency and you want familiarity, but what you don't want is, oh, this is Jaws, but we, but it's Golden Girls, right? You know what I mean? Like It's like, that's <laughs> not... And I understand that that is kind of the point of the whole Funko line of games, right? Sure. But I mean, that's the point, is like, we're going to give you this set experience with a slight twist and fun characters. But that's what, that's what Funko Pop is all about, right? I mean, that's right. literally what it's all about. So that, again, has captured that its own IP of Funko Pop, right? You know, which of course is based on all the other IPs, but it, it's a, it is its own IP. It's become its own. Right. It, it definitely is. It's, it's sort of like a Funko versus kind of like the Gaslands to matchbox <laughs> right, right. cars and Funko Pops, right? Cause it's like, here's a rule set for playing with this stuff. Right. Now you can't, you actually use the same dolls, so they're like, okay, we'll sell these to you also, and it's really affordable, so you're not going to be upset about it that you have to rebuy them. Uh, right, right. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you couldn't make that work if you had to sell the, you know, a character at $20. But, like, like the I, I got Kool-Aid Man for 4 bucks, but I think retail on him was, like, 10 Still, that's not bad, though, right? It's not bad, right? 10 bucks for... And it's like... For Kool-Aid guy. Yeah. Right. And it's oh, when yeah. you think about it, right? I mean, it's you're you're buying a decoration that also plays in a game, right? Right. Because it's a Funko Pop, so it's cool, you know? I mean, I that's never been my thing to collect those, but I know that I am in the minority with that and tons of people love to collect those. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm not really like a a collector of uh figurines and statues and things. Um, you know, I love doing Lego, but I, um, I, I, I rarely buy Lego because like, then you do them and then you build them and then you play with them, but they're not great to play with. Like they, they're pretty fragile. So, you know, like whatever, my kids will play with them and break them up and I don't care. Cause like I already built it and it was same, fine. Yeah. Same. You got what you needed, which was putting it together. Right. But there, there is that like Netflix for Lego, you know about this? I heard about that where you basically put it together and then you send it back, right? Right. You put it together, take it apart, send it back. Right. So I always promised myself that I would subscribe to this and I always forget. 
And I'm going to reward myself for this ridiculous move that I just went through. By signing up for it? By signing up for, yeah, Netbricks, I think is what it's called. That is a genius idea. So basically, it's Lego sets, and then they just send it out to you, and you put it together. Then you take it apart, you send it back, and then you get the next one, right? Yeah, basically. And and one of the things that I love about it is that the way that they know is, uh, you know, that all the pieces are there is that they weigh the set with a very precise scale. Very precise. Yeah. So, so, so here's the thing. It's not, it's, as it turns out, it's not super cheap. Um, so, uh, you know, if you want to uh, uh, sign up, it's $29 a month plus shipping. Oh, the shipping will get you because that. But I also get why. It's not like they're shipping you a, a disc. Right. <laughs> right. I can't download it. Um, but, you know, you get uh, you get one set at a time. The set can be up to $100 worth. Right, so you can buy you know decently expensive sets, not like some of the right, crazy right. ones, but decently expensive set. And then when you return it, they send you the next one. Um, That's cool. So yeah, I don't you know, I, I, and, and it's kind of funny because you think to yourself, okay, well, let's say I did that for a year, right? So and let's say you really were into it, right? And you built a set every you know, uh, let's say you got through. T- I don't know, a set, let's say, let's say you got through 25 sets over the year, right? You paid $360 plus shipping. Let's say it's 500 bucks. Uh, 25 sets, 500 bucks, do the math, $20 right. a set for yeah. that few hours that you spend building it. <laughs> Afterwards. And right? then, yeah. And then they're not in your house. It's crazy, right, and right. and and obviously they have like larger plans also, so you can get multiple sets at a time, and you can get more valuable sets, and um, right, right. But I, I, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I am curious and interested. That's very cool. You know, Lego actually, if you lose a piece to a set, you can go to Lego's website, say, "I bought this set, I'm missing pieces," and they will send them to you, no questions asked, for free. Oh, wow. I know this because my mom bought a set for my daughter um, at a yard sale. And uh, she's in, it was missing like, it was this little cool set and it was missing like the dog that came with it, which is just one little molded piece. Right. Yeah. Right. So like my daughter was devastated and the girl's hair. Oh. So I, yeah. So it was like, you were like, we need these things. Right. So, but she bought it secondhand at a yard sale. So I went online and. And Lego was just like, did you buy this? And I was like, well, I I did like at a yard sale, but I just said, yes, I bought it. And it was like, okay, give us your address. And they sent me the two pieces a week later. I had them like, boom. So, um, that was pretty cool. Cause I was like, I'll pay for these, but no, you just, you just, they just sent them to us. Um, you know, and that is, that's, that is like magic, right? Mm -hmm. That they do that. Um, I'm sure there are people that take advantage of it. I am sure that there's, you know, um, there are problems with that system, but the fact that they continue to do that is pretty awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. 
That's phenomenal. Yeah, it turns out I've I've fallen down a hole here. There is any number <laughs> the rest of the show. There's any number of like Lego subscription boxes and yeah, I mean all kinds of monthly plans and yeah. Um <laughs> I'm I'm on the family brick right now. <laughs> okay. Well, so if, if there's any builders out there that do one of these plans, uh, send me a message so I make sure to forward it to Isaac or just reach out to Isaac um, uh, at Kind Fortress on Twitter and tell him which plan is the best. I'll tell you what. You why don't we it. just put my address in the show notes and somebody can decide to gift me with uh, <laughs> a trial subscription. I'm sure they would love to do that. I, I Look, builders are very generous, and I think it's because they're among the smartest of all podcast listeners. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's worth a try. Listen, Joke's you got to tell you, the, the way, universe what you want. Maybe the universe gonna, will deliver. It's going to say Isaac, but it's <laughs> going to be my address. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, my, my wife, um, you know, had, had spent the last seven or eight years working uh, at the same company, and she was really well-loved by the staff. I mean, like, the, hundreds of people were on the Zoom call for her goodbye, and, um, mm-hmm. and I get a text from them, uh, from somebody, you know, at her work saying, hey, we want to get her a goodbye gift. Do you have any ideas? And, uh, and I said, oh, she would love a wine of the month club. And they text me back and they're like, oh, she is so on brand. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So, uh, so yeah, so, so we're getting a wine of the month. How cool is that? That is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I am, I'm, I'm, maybe I'll match it with Lego of the month, but we have to like make sure they come on different weeks. <laughs> Can't be drinking the wine trying to do the Legos. I, I feel like that might be counterproductive. You may lose the pieces a lot easier that way. That's true. That is true. So yeah. So any other thoughts here on the whole mass market designing thing that we've been talking about? That was the topic, by the way, folks. In case you weren't sure, we we segued so sweetly into it, and then we were just engaged in this phenomenal game of I'm not going to say this is our topic. You're not going to say it, and I'm not going to say it. We're going to count on the builders to like you know stick with us. They're they're going to get it. Uh, They're they're again very smart, very smart crew of people. Uh, and generous remember and very generous very generous uh, you know what actually i can i can i can attest the builders are very generous i've received uh many things over the years uh unrequested and uh they've all been lovely and so yes no the builders are very generous um yes yeah, so i actually have a question not false I, I have a i have a real question for you this is a hard-hitting oh, okay. journalistic question. Um, oh, great. What like is up with the Iron Design Challenge, and most importantly with the Iron Bruno? Because as we speak right now, Gen Con Online is is on line? Yeah, yeah. It is happening. Uh, well, sorry, Gen Con is happening. Um, the Iron Bruno, what's up with that is it's in my garage. Uh, Rob did give it to me, so I now have the Iron Bruno. Uh, but you've never South. won an Iron Bruno. I mean, no, either have no, I, I but still, <laughs> at least I you competed. You participated, yes. <laughs> Who did you, oh, you lost to Ryan Collar. I lost, yeah. Yes, yes. I can't yeah. remember which year that was. That was so long ago. Um, 
So we we have talked about possibly doing an online version of it, like a Zoom type thing. Um, but we haven't really explored that much because all of us have just been so busy with everything happening within the pandemic, trying to get, you know, I mean, I've spent the last two weeks just basically beating my head against a wall, trying to figure out schooling for my children. Uh, and that is not been fun or great. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's basically most of my mental energy plus some, some work stuff. Uh, and then some design things. Um, but no, we talked about doing it, uh, doing an online version. I actually talked to someone who could possibly help us with that. And we just haven't went anywhere with it, which is pretty on brand for building the game. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fair enough. We need to find some contestants. Um, you know, we have judges. Oh, well, actually, no, we have a judge. We have Banana Chan, uh, who would be a judge. Um, right. Because right. she lost last year. Uh, but we'd need a head judge. We would need a, another judge. Uh, oh, the builder judge. We'd need a builder judge, which those are easy to come by again because so many fans just want to be part of the show uh, sure. all the time. So much so that when I tweet and say, "Hey, somebody want to be on the show," and then half the time I then say, "Hey, somebody I know, can you be on the show?" <laughs> because no one <laughs> responded. <laughs> uh yeah. yeah oh i see that was irony i i yeah my my irony detector is uh <laughs> smoking in a corner <laughs> so it left it in the uh left left it back in jersey right or well no i just i i left fox news on and it's just <laughs> totally oh, hot yeah, wired yeah, the, yes, the whole thing yes. is a molten mess oh my mess. gosh oh man and yes and then the other mental energy of just everything going on right now in the country and just whoo Ooh, yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, we live in weird times. We, we sure really do. Weird times. We sure I, do. Uh, I it was was where I today uh, our neighborhood had garage sales uh, today, and like they are having them this weekend, but they always do like um, like the Thursday night preview they call it, where like just neighborhood people know about it. Yeah, and it gives you a chance to go get the good stuff, right? Sure. My kids. My yeah, kids it's it's like the getting idea. the uh, the early entry into Gen Con, the VIP, or or no, I'm working a booth. Right, right. Except for it's the stuff's not nearly as good. Um, <laughs> but, but as I was walking up to this house with my kids, we're all. I put my mask on. The kids put their masks on. The guy there sitting there has his mask on. And I said to the guy, I said, "This is the weirdest I've felt wearing a mask because I'm at a garage sale." Mm-hmm. Which, first of all, I don't go to many garage sales. But second of all, I'm wearing a mask, and so are you. it just feels weird, you know. Um, yeah, it's. Things are weird. Things are really weird. Um, yeah, that's, that's literally like I. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know what to say. But things are weird, and I know you've been dealing with a schooling thing as well, trying to figure that out, and that's just a nightmare. Um, at least yeah. for us, it's been every every online school we've applied to has been full so far, um, and uh, we're waiting to see if our school will switch to do online or not. Um, cause we we're 100% committed to doing online only with our kids. Uh-huh. Uh, but that also requires us to, we're actually, cause our kids are younger, but how yours are 13 and what's the, my, my youngest is, uh, my youngest is six and a half. And then I've got a nine and a half year old and a 13 year old. Oh, you have, you have three kids. I do. How did I always say you just had two kids. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, really I, I snuck a third one in somewhere. <laughs> 
about six six and a half years ago exactly so, okay so you're yeah about the same time that we had our daughter our second kid who was six <laughs> so yeah um but anyway so i was busy with that i guess um so it's just been yeah it's been tough and so we we actually are gonna hire someone to come in and like deal with the kids being on online school so that my wife and I can actually like have jobs. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's interesting. Um, and that's also really difficult. All the people we normally would hire are busy or committed somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, because we're not the only people in this situation. So I know you were asking online about, should I send my kids to school? And every teacher responded and said, don't send your kids to school. And I was like, Oh crap right that was a wake-up moment for me well uh, that's kind of the thing is that i was asking because i was less concerned sort of about do you think it's going to be a good educational experience or this and that i really was more coming at it saying teachers what do you want right not what do you think is best for my kid but like what do you think what do you want because, you know, we're asking right. people, I mean, look, we ask teachers to make, certainly in America, we ask teachers to make enormous sacrifices, right? They work for oh, very gosh, low pay, yes. sometimes with very, very poor conditions. They're, you know, shelling out their own money for supplies and for room setup. And, you know, people, I think, can overlook how uh, challenging that job is. But, you know, the pandemic and parents, rec- you know, needing to face what it looks like to really be with your kid every day and be in charge of their education directly. I think right. every parent recognized, holy cow, we really need teachers. And um, so if we really need them, then I want to know what they're up for, what they feel good about, what they feel safe yeah. about. Um, and so even if I might come at it and say, you know, I really want my kids to be in person. I think that's the best experience of this and that. I mean, maybe that's true, but I can't impose that on on teachers without them being on board with it. Like that's, right, I, right. I just, it feels, it feels wrong. So um, yeah, the te- all the teachers were like, no, 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 no. Um, it's not going well. The logistics are really challenging. We're really concerned about how it's going to play out. And so, so we opted for the online only. And I'll tell you, I'm seeing it... Um, going through this move. So, you know, for builders out there, I I just moved to North Carolina recently and um, going through a move, you're exposed to a lot of people in and out of your house that you don't know. Right. And many of them, you're in a circumstance where it's not always so easy, right? If somebody has been sweating all day, 95 degree weather, packing stuff up and putting it in a truck and it's your stuff and they're not wearing their mask. It's not so easy to say, can you please put your mask on? You know right, what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. And even if you're modeling it yourself, and even if you've got your mask on, and I actually got a face mask, uh, not just um, like a plastic face shield, um, because those are, are easier to wear. And I knew, right, that like, I would have a tough time wearing a mask for 12 hours straight in heat doing physical labor. Absolutely. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you start realizing that some of this uh, compliance is going to be hard. 
Uh, it's going to be hard to to manage and maintain. And then also like kids, I mean, come on, like my kid is going to trade their Ninja Turtles mask for somebody else's Wonder Woman mask. <laughs> I saw that too. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's what's going to happen. You know, and that's, that's the simplest sort of like, oh, duh, that's going to happen. But like what also happens is when you spend enough time around one person, at some point it just doesn't make sense to wear a mask. Not, and I shouldn't say, I don't know if it doesn't make sense. It might make all the sense in the world. It doesn't feel like it makes sense. Right, 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 yeah. Right, like, you know, it, I, I've spent eight hours with you. Yes, masks, not masks, whatever. At this point, if you have it, I have it. So let's just be right. comfortable and take off our masks, right? Right, yeah. The thing that I struggle with around the, that is, like, um, and I was trying to explain this to my mom. Like, it's not about the person you're seeing. Mm-hmm. It's about their network, right? Like, you have to think about it that way. It's like those old commercials they used to tell, like they used to, the STD commercials, right? Where right. It's, like, it's not about, you're sleeping with 15 people because this person slept with 14 and then it's like a thousand and like, right? Right. But you only slept with one person, you know? It, it's like those things, right? Sure. Except for you're dealing with kids and teachers and, you know, a potentially deadly disease. Um, to be clear, some STDs, I also understand, which there's STIs now, right? Is it supposed yeah. to be STI? I think it's STI. Sorry, yeah. I'm not up on that nomenclature. Uh, um, but, like, it's, yeah, I mean, I, oh, gosh. And, like, I have a, the, our good friend, he's a contractor of ours. He's taking this very seriously, and he's building me an office, uh, taking half of our storage room in the basement, turning it into a nice office. Yeah. Um, and I said to him, listen, man, like, I, I know that you are good about wearing your mask everywhere. I know you're wearing it here in the common areas. I was like, but you want to shut the door in that basement room to work? You don't feel like you have to wear a mask all day. Like right. you're doing heavy labor. I get it. And it was great because he was like, good, because I wasn't going to. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, good. I'm glad we're on the same page here. Um. Yeah, but I feel comfortable with that because I know he's taking all the precautions we're taking. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if he wasn't, you know, uh, I had a plumber come over to do a couple piping things, and I was real nervous um, that he might not want to wear a mask, right? Yeah. But sure enough, he showed up. He had a mask, and uh, you know, he, I wore a mask. He wore a mask. He was here for twenty five minutes, and he was gone, and it was great. Right. Um. But but it is it, it starts to like it is hard to tell people like I need you to put a mask on right like that is especially like you said we my my contractor friend and I we were carrying boards downstairs I was helping him carry all these two by fours and right. after ten minutes like we're both huffing and puffing like because we have a mask on right it's it's harder to breathe yeah we both kept them on but like he was like man you know. Uh, one of the symptoms of COVID is being shortness of having shortness of breath. He's like, I literally only have one when I have it when I wear a mask and I do labor. Um, right, right. That's like he, he, the symptoms for uh, for depression are strangely similar to the side effects of antidepressants. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Wait a minute. Doesn't um, that mean the side effect of an antidepressant is it just doesn't work? <laughs> yeah, right. Sometimes, sometimes. Um, yeah, like, hey, I'm on anxiety medication, and one of the side effects is anxiety. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> it seems odd. Exactly. Yeah, yeah and, right. and, um, and I think that the more time that we spend in this, the more we recognize that you're not going to be able to maintain certain types of standards um, for the long term in all instances. Right, right. You, you know, and that's and, hard. It is, and 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 I think um, uh, 
you know, there, there's some cultural things here as well, right? So like, uh, certainly if you are not feeling well, staying home, not wearing a mask, all that stuff you really want to do. But like, again, you know, so I'll give you an example. This happened to me, right? I woke up and, um, I was feeling fine and I kind of had a little bit of a headache and I was like, Oh, I'm probably just dehydrated. Right. Cause like, you know, it's a new climate. It's hotter here. I'm not keeping up. And, and there's a truck that's supposed to show up with like a quarter of the stuff I own for unloading. Right. Right. And there I am. Right. And I'm on the horns of that decision of, is this a headache and thus a COVID symptom, and thus I should not expose anybody else to that, and I've got to, you know, shut everything down and tell the movers, you know, sorry, can't happen today, put it in a storage facility, I don't know, I'll pay whatever I have to pay, you can't come, I might have COVID. Or do I say, I feel fine, I'm a little dehydrated, and that's why I have a headache, I'm going to have two Gatorades, and let's see what happens. Right, right, right. That's, yeah, and, and and you know, to me, that's where it starts getting real because there are people who maybe feel a little worse, but maybe it costs even more for them to not go into work that day. You know what I mean? Right. And, no, there was there was a case in Michigan recently where a parent sent their COVID positive child to daycare <laughs> because they had to go to work. Right. right? Because if they didn't go to work, they lose their job and then they lose their health care, which is super important when your kid has COVID, right? 100%. But but obviously, that was a horrible decision, right? To send your kid to go infect a bunch of other people. Right. But But we see that with the flu every year. There's a lot of 101 degree kids going to school in the morning. Yeah, Yeah, I was talking to one of the people from our school and she had said like, because I said, my number one fear is that there are parents that aren't going to take this seriously and they're going to send sick kids to school or or kids who've been exposed possibly. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're fine. They're going to send them to school, right? Sure. Like, and she said that was her number one fear as well is that, you know, if I, I joke that if every parent was like my wife and I who are taking this seriously, we're not ridiculous about it, but we are taking precautions and we are doing the best we can. And if I knew every parent was doing that, I would be totally comfortable sending my kids to school. Um, and I think teachers would be more comfortable too, right? Right. right. But, <laughs> because- the, but that's sort of the point is that, that, that it's so hard to do that for a long period of time. And I think also, you know, when you said, you know, they're not taking it seriously or, you know, parents who are, who are I, don't, I don't remember exactly what you said, but there's some element of like, oh, this is what people should do. And what I'm really sensitive to, and this is, you know, my wife is a pediatrician who works um, mostly with uh, just impoverished people, right? People, in many cases, they're undocumented, they're all uninsured. um, And so, you know, it's a lot of Medicaid cases. And these are people who, they can't afford to not go to work for a day. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And One day is... It's a, it's is, a real yeah, problem. Yeah. It's a real problem. And yep. so if your kid is able to function, you send them to school. And right. that's where they yep. get fed two meals, right? right? And that's where they go so that you can work, so that you can feed them the third meal. And when it right. comes down to that, you know what? Yeah, there was somebody who had COVID in church. We're going to school on Monday. You know what I mean? Right. Like and and right. and it's not parents being irresponsible, it's parents 
making a uh, decision about the relevant probabilities and saying, I can't afford to protect everyone from this very low probability event. I can't afford it. Yeah, I no, I I agree with that. I was not attempting to well, I was speaking ill, but I was not talking about that perspective because I completely agree with you on it. I'm talking about the issue we have with the people who are like, it's not a big deal. Right. 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 It's not real. Like those people those people are not acceptable. Sure. Right? No, look, I mean, there are like, plenty of deniers and there are plenty right. of socialites who, you know, with plenty of money and plenty of whatever, who are ignoring the issue and still attending the event. You know, like, I, I, there are a lot of cases here. The, what I'm kind of getting at is that you can shut everything down for six weeks, eight weeks and say, let's get this under control by shutting it down, everybody, everything, for six weeks. And that's doable. Like, people will mostly respect that, right? If you say, it's going to be six weeks, everyone's shutting down, everything is shutting down, we're just going to pay whatever it costs to make that okay for everybody, let's do that. Yes. Yes. That you can do. But this like six months worth of some people yes, some people no, some states yes, some states no, it is ineffective, you know, biologically and medically, but it's totally ineffective psychologically. Right. You just, right. you can't, Absolutely. you can't, you can't do well, it. We unfortunately, as we know, have terrible leadership at the top, Yeah, you know, that is not taking this seriously. I mean- some days is, some days isn't, mostly isn't. Like we, you know, I'm very fortunate to live in Michigan where our governor has taken it incredibly seriously. Yeah. And we went from being like the third worst state in the nation to we're like 16 or 17 now. Right. And eventually we'll drop even further below that because we're doing a good job. And you know what she was, you know what she got for that? She got billboards of her calling her Hitler. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, like, w- first of all, Read a book sometime about history because that's not that's that's literally like right. As it turns out, our our big beef right. with Hitler was not that he had people wearing masks or made them stay home because that was the big thing with her was she said we're gonna lock down and they were like oh my gosh this is tyranny and I was like you need to acquaint yourself with a dictionary this is not tyranny <laughs> like this is literally. A lady trying to make you not die, and you're arguing with her about it. Right. Um, now, when it comes to people not being able to afford things and stuff like that, that's a whole other point. We, we should be supporting those people, right? I mean, when you say, we're going to lock it down, but we're not going to let people fall through the cracks, right? That's important. You, you, have, to, you have to do both. Yeah. You can't just say, we're going to... You know, we're going to lock it down and good luck to you. You know, may the odds be ever in your favor. I mean, that that's not okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and and look, I th- you know, we're all on the same page on this. The leadership has been awful and leadership is crucial when you want to have a coordinated response in a free country. Right, right. You know, um, but we've, I don't know how much of this we're going to subject the builders to. But uh, we're oh, they're used to it. <laughs> we've we've went on these rants, but I, let's be honest. If if somebody is still listening to the show and disagrees with us about the leadership, uh, I would be impressed with them. Good luck, lo- good job for your perseverance and putting up with with us really, really being upset about a lot of this for a while now. Right. Um. Yeah. But oh, 
this still, that was a good discussion. And I know it's very relevant to, you know, we, we're a documentary podcast and it's very relevant to a lot of the people out there, right? Because, you know, we're all, any parent is going through these same choices, whether it's, I've got to send my kids back to school now because I can't have them at home anymore because I, I have a job to go do. Um, you know, I mean, we're in such a privileged position. I, I know both of our families are yeah. to where, I mean, I can actually say like, we're just going to hire someone to just come in and, and help our kids do school so that we can work. Yeah. I mean, like not like most people cannot do that. Um, and we, we are able to, and that's, that's a big deal. And, and if, if we couldn't do it, we, it would be hard. It would be really, I know that because I did the last three months of school and then summer and it's hard. Like it's really not easy. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to have a job and manage the kids and thank goodness I'm self-employed again, like you, right? <laughs> like, so, yeah. so we're able to, to make our choices and, you know, uh, and set our schedules. 100%. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very lucky and, uh, and I recognize that, you know, lots of folks aren't like that. And, you know, um, one of, uh, one of the podcasts I listen to is, um, uh, all songs considered from NPR and it's, you know, a great way to listen to some music that you might not otherwise uh, come across. And, um, the, the host, uh, Bob Boylan changed his sign off, um, because, you know, he used to say, take care of yourself. And now he says, take care of yourself. And if you can take care of someone else. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And that's, that is good. that's yes. where we are, you know, take care of someone else. Yes. Um, so, you know, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's a good place for, for us to, to, to close this out and just, uh, uh, let all the builders know that, you know, if you're going through something tough, we feel for you and, and, and we hope that you're getting the help that you, uh, you know, that you need. Um, and if you've got extra, this is, this is the time to reach out and find those people who need the help and, and, and reach out. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is a good way to end. So we will do that. Um, hey, thank you again for coming on the show. It's always great to chat with you, whether it's on the show or just in, in you know, just to chat. So I appreciate that. Yeah, man. And, uh, great to be here. Great topic. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad your move is is coming to a close <laughs> after the ordeal it's been. Um, so uh, builders, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out to Building the Game Podcast dot com building the game podcast at gmail.com seven seven hotel btg at podcast btg at ja slingerland at kind fortress if you want to talk to isaac and also uh finally you can find us on itunes stitcher radio google play all the other places like that uh but there's something called breaker now that i keep getting comments on very interesting so anyways yeah until next time good night building the game with jason and friends with jason and friends building the game Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Dial 770-TELL-BTG. Please don't use the email.